0: from the passage I read in your hearing earlier today uh, from the book of Exodus, chapter 14. The theme, Stand Still and See the Salvation of the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. From the 14th chapter of Exodus, we find in the Pentateuch, the writings of Moses in this 14th chapter. And we want to look at verses 10 to 14. And I'll read that again for those of you that were not here. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were so afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto Yahuwah, and they said unto Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it hath been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he hath shown to you today. For Egypt, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. God shall fight your battle and ye shall hold your peace. The word of God tells us and shares with us the story of what takes place in Egypt prior to this particular experience. And this is a part of the Passover that God had instructed Israel to continue to hold on to. And continued to observe and commemorate yearly. What had happened was God had warned Pharaoh a number of times. He said unto Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh continued to refuse to do that. And God continued to harden his heart. But he continued to get in the way of what God was doing with his people. God sent the plagues, the flies, the frogs. God turned the nile into blood and, and, and he turned a, 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 a rod into a snake. And everything that God did, old Pharaoh, he tried to match it. Everything that old God used Moses to do, Pharaoh tried to match it. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let me take the children of Israel into the wilderness for three days that they may spend time in fellowship and worship and fasting unto God. And Pharaoh agreed. To allow Moses to take the children of Israel out into the wilderness, and while they were out in the wilderness, God spoke to Moses again and decreed unto Moses that there was something magnificent getting ready to happen for the children of Israel. They were getting ready to leave the Egyptian captivity and move on into the land that God had promised unto the uh, to the Israelites, and God had told Moses that I'm going to give you the land of Canaan that flows with milk and honey. And I want you to get everybody together and to let them know that this is the word of God. This is Elohim, Yahuwah himself, talking unto Moses and telling him the importance of what he was about to do. So we find the word of God tells us that sometime in life, We have and we will experience challenges. Sometime in life things will happen to us and to those that we know that we may not be able to handle or comprehend. But there is a God that sits high and looks low that will answer every single problem and concern in our lives. The children of Israel find themselves beginning to murmur and to grumble and complain because they felt like God had forsaken them and left them alone. But God had a plan. And with his plan, he had a purpose for what he was doing with the children of Israel and how he planned to carry them forth from from the Egyptian captivity. The Bible tells us and shares with us, the story goes on. And, and, And they are worried and they are concerned. But God had already warned Pharaoh a number of times to let the children of Israel go. And the final plague that God placed upon the nation of Egypt was he took and told Israel to get the blood of the lamb and put it across the doorpost of every single house. And he told Moses, tonight I'm going to send the spirit of death. And when he comes, every house that does not have the covering of the blood over it, I'm going to slay the firstborn in every house. Not only among people, but also among animals. And Pharaoh just kind of grunted at that. He didn't pay that much attention. But after a while, night came. And all of Israel had done what God had told them to do. And in the process of doing this, they were covered and they were protected. Their homes and their families were all protected. And after a while, Pharaoh could hear the screams, the hollowing, and all of the moaning and groaning and the sorrow in the city of Egypt because God had come through and began to slay all of the firstborn that was not under the covering of the blood. And one of those firstborn was Pharaoh's son, his firstborn son. And when God took his son, that was enough to let him realize and know That God was serious when he told him to let Israel go. So he lets them go. And as they're going down the road in, in captivity, being freed from captivity, marching on down the road. And before them is the Red Sea. And they're marching and leading from Egypt and going down to the Red Sea. Moses is leading them. And they get there to the Red Sea. And when they get there... All that water, they got the Red Sea in front of them. And Pharaoh got mad and said, let's go and get them and bring them back. And he gets 600 of his best horses and chariots and the, the soldiers and all of those guardsmen over them. And they pursue after Israel. Israel has God blessing them. They have a cloud By day to follow to get them to the promised land. And then they have a fire by night to give them light so that they can see. But God takes the fire and God takes the cloud and he puts it between Moses, the children of Israel, and behind Pharaoh. Moses and the children of Israel is in the front And this cloud and the power and the presence of God goes behind them to protect them. What am I saying? God will protect you when the enemy tries to come up against you. God will watch over you when the devil is trying to do something to you. They're moving forward. and Moses is concerned himself and God said, boy, what is that in your hand? And he had a staff, and God said, get up to the top of the mountain and take that staff. And they took the staff in Moses' hand, and he held it up. And when he held it up, all of the water in the Red Sea rolled up on both sides. The ground dried out, and Israel marched through the Red Sea to the promised land, to the other side. And when they got over there, Moses put his hands down here comes Pharaoh and his army most of them then got down in the middle of the Red Sea now and when Moses dropped his hand the water just gushed all on top of them and took them all out God will fight your battle he said be still and watch me work be still and let me do it for you. Some of us trying to fight and do it for ourselves. God said, I've given you the victory. All you've got to do is stand still and let me give it to you. Like stand still and receive it. If you would stand still, I would do for you what you need done. He tells them, don't worry. I got your back. Sometimes we get worried about things. Sometimes things trouble us. Sometimes problems, we can't seem to figure out how to solve them. But he said, I have You are back. I will take care of you. I will watch over and keep you. The word of God tells us and shares with us that God is more who is for us than the devil who is against us. Remember, Satan comes to what? Kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Christ said, I've come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. When we look at our situation in our communities, and the word of God tells us why is it that death is so prevalent? why is it that murder is on the rise why is it that things are happening in our nation in our society that we cannot understand why mass murders all, all all over the nation more than 30 of them this year alone why simply because people have not realized that they need god that they need christ yeshua in their lives that they need to repent of their atrocity what did the writer tells us in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. I will deliver them. What makes five officers stop a young man going down the road about his own business and pull him out of the car and literally beat him? unconscious. And then he dies a few days later. It's because those that we have entrusted with the oath to serve and protect us have forgotten what they were called to do. Have allowed the authority that they have been given to overrule and overpower them mentally, emotionally, and physically. The Bible tells us that God says, I am still in control. The devil may think he's got it going on, but I'm still in control. He tried it with the Savior. Remember when Lazarus died and the devil thought he had one Lazarus? Christ went in there and said, get up, Lazarus. He defeated the devil. He goes on down a little further. Finds this little boy lying on this coffin, headed to the grave in Nain. And, and, and he looks at the bearer of the coffin and stops him and tells the child to rise. And he gets up. He defeated death a second time. Death was getting worried and concerned because it kept getting defeated. Remember what happened at the Red Sea. A lot of those Egyptians, that, and, and, and Moses had already told the Egyptians, these, uh, uh, Israel, these Egyptians that you see today, you will never see them again. They all drowned in the Red Sea. Death lost another battle death lost another victory then the savior himself gets his own accord comes down here and lives his life before us and shows the way back to salvation shows the way back to the father and in the process of doing all this Christ prepares his own self for what's going to take place in his own life he himself is going to have to have a battle with death but we have to remember that Christ came out victorious. He went to the grave, stayed in there, what? Three days. Got up, came out and walked around and not only did he defeat death, but death said, I can't challenge him no more. He's got the victory. And God said, I'm going to give you all power in heaven and in earth. And, and, and when God gives us all power, Through Christ, our Lord and Savior, we don't have anything to worry about. We don't have anything to fear. Everybody's walking around and worried and concerned. But Christ said, I have you. I am watching over you. I am protecting you. I am keeping you. All you have to do is keep your faith and trust in the Lord. And continue to serve him and worship and apply the principles of his teaching to your life. Let's go a little bit further with this. Let's wrap it up. He tells us in that 14th chapter. Verse number twelve. Egypt was concerned. Is I mean, uh, Israel was concerned. Is not this the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, "Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians"? God always has a better plan for us. God's plan is more powerful than the plan of the enemy. Uh-huh. And when God has a plan, sometimes we refuse to move forward. But guess what? When you're struggling and you're going through things and you're having problems and issues in your life, what does God do? He allowed the enemy to come in, sometimes even like a flood. Why? Because it is the enemy and the things of the devil that encourages us to keep pressing on to God. Paul said, what I press toward the mark for the price. He didn't say I walk. He didn't say I run. He said, I have to press my way. I have to push my way. I have to force my way because the devil will attack you. The devil will come up against you. The devil will fight you on every side. But when he's fighting you, that gives you courage and strength to go to God in prayer. And when you go to God in prayer, guess what he does? He gives you the courage. He gives you the strength. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will what? Help you. I will strengthen you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will protect you. Sometimes we're worried about all the things that's happening in the world society. In this, in, in this day and time. But we have to keep our faith and trust in God. We have to say, Father, cover us. Protect us from what the devil will do to us. Because Satan is out to what? Destroy the body of Christ. He don't want you. He just wants to shut you up so you can't talk about nobody. You can't talk about the word of God. You can't tell nobody about the goodness of Christ, our Lord and Savior. That Satan don't want you. He wants the word. And if shutting you up and stopping you and murdering you and killing you will do that, guess what he'll do? That very thing. See, the world system got the idea that it's going to be all right, that they are winners, that they are successful, that everything is working in their table. But that's not the case. The devil will use you up and then he will strike you with some type of affliction and kill you and take you out. That's what he does. Make you take your own life. But when you have Christ as the center of your life, if you seek him first his kingdom and his righteousness and be about doing those things that bring glory and honor to the kingdom, the Bible tells us that we have a reward waiting on us when we get to to the kingdom of God. That we will be blessed when somebody passes on that's a child of God, they're going on into eternity to receive their just reward. This fellow tells the story that he and his wife was on a plane and they were traveling from one of the most marvelous vacations they had ever had. And as they're on the plane flying, the pilot comes on the intercom and he tells them there's some problems with the electrical equipment on the plane and we got everything under control. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight. A few minutes later, he comes back on the PA again. And he says, we're still working on these technical problems with the plane, but I want you to continue to sit back, relax enjoy the flight about 30 minutes later he comes back he says, this is your captain and i want you to know uh, that we're going to have to make an emergency landing. but i want you to sit back and relax enjoy the rest of the flight can you imagine the tension that's building up on the plane by now after a while the pilot comes back on and he said we're getting ready to 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 land the plane but i want you to go ahead and Form the crash position. Take your head and put it between your legs and put your hand behind your head. Then he comes back and tells them why. He said, the landing gear will not come down. And there's two things that can happen. One, the plane will break in half when it hits the ground. And the other, it will explode on impact. But there was this minister and his wife sitting on the plane. And while they were on the plane, the Bible says that he was a praying man. How do we know that? Because Christ had already taught us how to pray. He said, he and his wife grabbed hands and said, the Bible says, where there are two or more together, I'm in the midst. And they began to pray. Give God glory and praise. Looked at each other and said, I love you. If we don't make it, I want you to know I love you. The plane goes down and descends, hits the terminal, and comes to a complete stop. And, and the pilot comes back on the radio and says, I'm really sorry. I don't know what happened. And the preacher and his wife said, oh yeah, we know what happened. We have a praying God. And we prayed to God. And when the plane hit the ground, it didn't crash. It didn't break. It and everybody walked off the plane safe. God will protect you when the devil is trying to come up against you. He said rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Keep your faith in him. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. May God bless you this morning. May heaven smile upon you. Let us stand for a word of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning to give you praise and glory. We thank you, Lord God, for this message. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We thank you for Christ, our Lord and Savior, that went to the cross and gave his life, that we all may come to him, come to you through him, and have eternal life. And we pray now, Father, your blessings over this congregation, whatever they're experiencing or whatever they're going through. We know that you are the God that have our back. We know that you are the God that allows us to move forward in the things of life. And that you are the God that lets us go forward and complete our purpose. Just like you allowed Israel to go through what they experienced at the Red Sea. But on the other side, you promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. And you allowed them to walk into that land. We praise you today because you have a purpose for our lives. And you have said in your word, we will live and fulfill our purpose according to your will and your blessings upon us. We glorify you this morning. We magnify and edify you. We thank you for all of these at the house this morning. And we pray now your blessings upon this ministry. Watch over everyone here, Lord. Remember those that are not here that desire to be here. Touch them in their homes and meet every need in their lives. Heal the sick, Lord God. Raise the dead. We just give you glory and praise and thank you. For this opportunity. Thank you for this message. Let it inspire, uplift, and encourage the hearts and minds of your people, and let them realize that they can rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is their reward in heaven. We thank you for today. We thank you for this hour. We thank you for this moment. We ask you covering over this house. Let's everyone under the sound of my voice. Bless the families, the wives, and children, sons and daughters extended family. Lord, cover them in the blood of Christ. Yeshua, our Lord and Savior and watch over them throughout the course of this week. Bless them in their communities and in their neighborhoods and just keep them safe from all hurt, harm and danger. Father, bless them and then enlarge their territories. Lord God, let your face and let your hand be with them and lay your hand upon them most of all. And then Father, protect them from all evil that they may not cause any kind of pain bless you today. We praise and glorify your holy and righteous name. These blessings we ask in Christ to mighty name. and For his name's sake we pray and ask it today. Let all of God's people say amen. amen. God bless you today and may heaven smile upon you. In Saint Matthew chapter 17 from the theme the transfiguration of Christ our Lord. The transfiguration of Christ our Lord. Chapter 17 of Matthew, we find in the first eight verses, these words, And after six days, Yeshua take Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bring them up into a high mountain apart, his face apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and the raiment was, his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah, talking with him, and then answered Peter and said unto Yeshua and Onai, is it good for us to be here? If you will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said unto them, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him and when the disciples heard it they fell on their face and were so afraid and yeshua came and touched them and said arise and be not afraid and when they had lifted up their eyes they saw no man said yeshua only let us pray father we are grateful this morning for your love your grace and mercy we welcome your presence among us as we look into your word, teach us Holy Spirit, guide and lead us. We can do nothing without you, but with you all things are possible. And we ask you now to bless these that are under the hearing of the word and touch their hearts, let them be tentative, let them hear, let them receive and apply these principles into their lives. And we ask in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find this writing in this particular passage in the chapter before the last verse we find in chapter 16 that verse number 28 tells us and I say to you there be some standing here which shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory coming in his kingdom so we find the Word of God tells us here in this particular scripture that christ himself is beginning to reveal who he is beginning to reveal his glory unto those three of his inner circle peter james and john who were very close to him at all times and they were the two sons of thunder james and john and peter we know was the rock or the solid rock of christ our lord and savior So the word of God tells us and shares with us, after he said what he had said in the book, uh, in the 16th chapter, in the last verse, he said, Christ said, after six days, he took Peter, James, and John. And it it is believed that they went to Mount Hermon uh, in that region to spend time on the mountain because Christ wanted to show them who he was before his death. Because they had already been with him three and a half years. This takes place about two months before, about four months actually, before his actual death. But he wanted to share with the disciples these, who he was. And so he begins to share with them by transfiguration that he was indeed the son of God, but more so God himself. And the scripture tells us and shares with us in the book of first of of St. John. We find the word of God tells us there in that particular book. In the very first chapter, we find these words in the 14th verse. And the word was made flesh and tabernacled or dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried saying, this is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, and the fullness of, of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the Torah or the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Yeshua, our Lord and Savior. Verse 18 in that chapter, no man has seen God at any time. The Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, has indeed declared him. So John writes and tells us that the glory of God is going to manifest, that it is going to come forth, and that we should be prepared for that glory. So he begins to go into this and tell the disciples what's going to happen, what's going to transpire. What is transfiguration? It means to change. It means to show the supernatural side of of him. They already saw the earthly side of his flesh, but they it means to show the supernatural side. I rebuke that spirit of slumber in the name of Christ. Yes, yeah. the word of God tells us that He decrees and declares the brilliance, the brightness, the sharpness, the face of Christ, which is like the sun of the brilliance of God, and it goes on to say that his raiment or his body becomes pure light. It is completely, it is so white that you can never wash it that clean. That's what happens while he's on this mountain. Let's look at these verses. It says in verse number two, and he was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah talking with him. Now notice Moses is dead and buried. Elijah never died. He was carried up to heaven in a chariot through a whirlwind. But these disciples are there witnessing the glory of God, first of all, through Christ the Savior. And with him is Elijah and Moses. Moses represents the the law, the Pentateuch. And Elijah represents the prophets. So you see, the Old Testament talks about the prophets As well as the law that God had placed in the word in the Old Testament. So we find Christ is standing there talking to Moses and Elijah. What is that a symbol of? It symbolizes the fact that we all will know him when we get there. These disciples had not met Moses and they had not met Elijah. They were both in the Old Testament. But they knew Christ when he was transfigured, they automatically knew who Moses and Elijah was, which is fantastic for each and every one of us, because that lets us know we're going to know our families. We're going to know those that we have loved and cared for that have gone on before us. We will know them. We will know their faces, their names. We will know our people when we get there, if they get to glory and they get to heaven. And this is what goes on. You find... Uh, as I said, Elijah, who represents the prophets. You find Moses who represents the law, and the Bible said they were both standing there talking to Christ. One was dead, and the other was caught up in a whirlwind, but they were both alive and well and speaking with the Savior. The Word of God tells us this in the book of Luke. When you look at the book of Luke, and look at chapter uh, 9, we find these verses tells us in verses uh, 28 And 32, let's look at that real quick. I want to share these verses with you. In 28, we find these words in the ninth chapter of the book of Luke. And it came to pass about an eight days after this saying, he took Peter, John, and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white like glistening. And behold, they talked with him two men. Now listen to this. Which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. So Christ is standing there in his own glory. Here come Moses and Elijah standing there with him. But the people often wonder, what were they talking about? Why was it important that these two men were talking to Christ? Christ was talking to Moses and Elijah about his death, burial, and resurrection. Now he's standing there there, holding a conversation with them about his death, his burial, and resurrection before it ever takes place. Look at the rest of this this chapter that we're looking at. Who appeared in glory and spoke uh, of his decease, which should be accomplished in Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, They saw his glory and the two men stood there talking to him and they came and it came to pass as they departed from him. Peter said unto him, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. Now he can't, Christ can't do that yet because he had not died. He had not given up the ghost. He had not paid for yours and my sins. He had not went to the cross for us yet. So Peter is way ahead of what Christ has to do first. So he's saying, let's make a tabernacle so that you, Moses, uh, and, and, and Elijah can worship. But Christ is saying, wait a minute, do you understand what you're talking about? But he didn't say a word. The Bible says that a shadow, a cloud, overshadowed them and when the cloud overshadowed them it was the glory the Shekinah glory of God himself came down and overshadowed them and God spoke from the cloud and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him how do we know that In last week's lesson we talked about the cloud that followed Israel from the old uh, area and captivity of egypt the cloud was there by day and the fire of god was there by night to light the sky what they would do is when they would go into a location they would set up the tabernacle and the cloud would remain there as long as god wanted them in that location and when god wanted them to move he would lift the cloud they would pack up everything including the tabernacle and move forward and then they had the fire of God by night that carried them and was the light for them as they went ahead. So it was the Shekinah glory of God that descended upon them. And Peter was so bold that so he just go ahead and start saying things. And God reminds him, he said, listen to him. Hear him and apply what he says to your heart and to your life. The story goes on that tells us back in the uh, book of John. Back in the book of Matthew, he tells us in that particular area, as he continues to talk about this, as he continues to share the story of what was going on in their hearts and in their minds. Here you are standing there and all of a sudden the glory of God comes. The Bible says in another area and verse and passage that when they came to take Christ and to arrest him and he said, who are you looking for? And the Savior said, they said, who are you looking for? Christ said, who are you looking for? And they, they said, Christ. He said, I am. And when he said, I am, the glory of God came all over him. And when the glory of God came all over him, they bowed to the ground, all of them. The Bible said they stepped back and bowed to the ground and bowed their faces. Because God himself appeared when Christ said, I am that I am. They, they couldn't touch him at that point they had to wait till the glory come off of him and when the glory came off of him they were able to arrest him but there in that garden he also revealed his glory before those the enemy is what we would call them on today's pattern the bible tells us and shares that the glory of god shone the power of god came forth in that garden i'm almost getting ahead of myself here the word of god also tells us their faces was bowed to the ground and peter never forgot it peter never forgot what he saw how do we know look at peter look at first peter let's go to first peter 16. for in first peter he tells us in the 16th uh in the um second chapter there once i get over there second peter chapter two look at verse uh first peter second peter i'm sorry chapter 1 look at verse 16 1st peter chapter 1 verse 16 and we find there second peter chapter 1 verse 16 these words but was rebuked for his iniquity uh, that might not be where I need to be. I'm looking at second epistle of Peter. I might have wrote down the wrong scripture here, y'all. But anyway, I'll just tell you. When Peter saw what had happened, he was an eyewitness to it. Not only was he an eyewitness to it, he said, I and we, he's talking about James and John and himself, was eyewitnesses to the glory of God, to the power of Christ when Christ himself was revealed and manifested in his own glory. He said, we're not talking about what we heard. We were eyewitnesses to it. That's what Peter tells us. I wrote down the wrong scripture there, but that's what Peter, he bears it out, that we are eyewitnesses. We saw the glory of God ourselves. And when Christ came of the mountain, the first thing he said to them when they came down is, don't tell this to any man until the Son of Man is risen. Why? Because they weren't ready to receive it and because it hadn't happened yet. But only Peter... James and John knew about the glory of God. They were the only three. And Christ said, Don't mention this to anybody. Matter of fact, he told the disciples, don't tell nobody nothing. Keep it to yourself. He literally told the disciples to stop even, he didn't stop them from going out and witnessing right before his death. He stopped them from going out. He said, Everything we do, we're going to do in what? Private. We're going to seclude ourselves and let everything that manifests and happen now, it has to be kept between us because that it got to the place that everybody was trying to take Christ out. Everybody was trying to kill him. Can you imagine everywhere you go, somebody waiting there trying to take your life? Every time you turn, every time you go out, somebody's trying to imagine that. But God was with the Savior. And with God being with him, it was difficult for the enemy to take him out. But Christ, even knowing that, said, let's just stay in seclusion. Let's keep this matter to ourselves. Besides, if they, had, if they had told it before it actually happened, when Christ died, went to the cross, went to the grave, got up the third day, if they had told it before then they would have never believed that he was going to raise from the dead. So he said, don't tell nobody. Keep it to yourself. The glory, the brilliance, and the brightness of the Savior had been revealed unto them, and Peter tells them in Second Peter that this is why you need to know, because we're eyewitnesses, we were there. Yes, yes, yes. We saw it with our own eyes, and we know for a fact that you must know and hear the truth. And that's what Peter was doing. See, Peter never forgot it. Nobody else talks about it in the epistles but Peter. You got John, who was the closest to Christ, he didn't mention. It. You got James, who wrote the book of James. James was the first one that was martyred or killed for the gospel and for the cause of Christ. He was the first one that died. And we know what happened to Peter. The Bible tells us and shares with us. He says, keep, Christ said, keep it to yourself. That's why he said, keep it to yourself. Let's look at the rest of these verses and wrap this up. Back over in the book of Matthew, where we were in that seventh chapter, in Matthew chapter seven, we find that um, he concludes. I'm ahead of myself here. In the book of Matthew, let's go back to the 17th chapter. Matthew in the 17th chapter, I'm going to go back over there. Just show you just a little bit more of this and then we'll wrap this up. Let's look at the rest of this. We got to that part about the cloud. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Verse 6 And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And verse 7 says, And Yeshua or Christ came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Now the fear of God had come on them so strong that they were literally afraid. Can you imagine? Christ shows you his brilliance, he shows you his glory. You're there on your face to the point to where you don't even move. You're just laying there. And then all of a sudden, the glory of God descends off of him. And when it does, he goes over and he touches them. Because they were afraid to do anything at that point. That's how, see, people think they're going, when they die... They're going to be able to go to heaven, walk up on Jesus, and just do and say anything. No, the Bible says when you see the glory and the brilliance of him, you're going to bow to your face. He said every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God. And that's the reason why, because when you come into his presence, you ain't going to be able to just stand there and say, Lord, I got something I want to tell you. Lord, I got something I want to ask you. No, you ain't going to be able to do that because the brilliance and the brightness of Christ is so powerful. You have to give reverence. You have to bow and and, and give reverence to who he is and to the Savior. That's why he said it's so important that people outside of the body of Christ realize the importance of their salvation. People don't believe it's important. They want to live any kind of life, do anything they want. It is the most important thing you will ever have happen in your life. What he tells us in Romans, the eighth chapter, be ye transformed. How? By renewing your mind on the word of God. Reading the word of God, applying the principles of God's word to your life. He says, be transformed. That's what Christ, he was transformed right before their presence. His brilliance, his supernatural power came out before Peter, James, and John. Right there on the Mount Hermon. The Bible tells us and chefs us, and let's wrap this up. He touched them and said, "Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, <clears throat> no man save Christ Yeshua himself. And they came down from the mountain and Christ charged them saying, tell the vision to no man until the son of man is risen from the dead. He said, I don't want nobody to know about this. Don't mention it. Because everything has not been finished. But when Christ went to the cross and he gave his life and they put him in that tomb And when they went there the third day and rolled the stone away, uh, and when they went in and they saw the napkin, they saw the the linen cloth laying there, they knew that he had risen from the dead. That was the time to give the witness. That was the time to tell (coughs) all of those disciples about the resurrected risen Savior, our Lord Christ Yeshua. That was the time. He said, now you can tell. Remember, Christ ministered to them 40 more days. After he rose from the dead. See, people think he died, he rose, and he left. No, he stayed there 40 more days and ministered to them. He stayed there 40 more days and talked to them. And guess what he talked to them about? The glory and the kingdom of God. He talked to them about that the last 40 days. After he rose from the dead, he said, Now let me tell you why it's important that you saw my glory. Because I don't want you to forget that I have promised you eternal life. I have promised you a place in the kingdom forever. Once you receive me as Lord and Savior of your life, then I will continue to bless you. I will continue to keep you. But most of all, I guarantee you the promise of eternal life. That's what Christ taught. He said, I want you to take the word, the message. What he said, go ye therefore in, in the 28th chapter of Matthew and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. Christ told them to teach and to preach the kingdom of God and to make disciples of men. That's what he said. Go. Go do it. Go tell somebody. Go share the gospel. Let them know that, yes, Christ is alive. He's well. He's risen from the dead. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is the one that watches over, protects, and keeps you every single day. Go tell everybody. What does the song say? Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hill. Everywhere. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That's what he did when he said to the glory of God. To the glory of God. The brilliance of God. The power of God. The shakana glory of God. He said go tell everybody who I am. Go tell everybody they're going to need me to make it. They can't get there by themselves. They have to have a relationship with me. Go tell everybody to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You can't get to God without it. Why? That's his son, whom he's well pleased. And he said, listen, here." And then he said, apply the principles to your life. What does he mean by that? Apply the principles to your life. He tells them, when you apply the principles to your life, you know that Christ was in the Old Testament. He was in the law. He was in the prophets. He came as a prophet. He symbolized and closed and fulfilled the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill the old covenant and also to usher in the new. That's what Christ came to do. He said, I came that you may have life and that you may have it what? More abundantly. And life more abundantly is understanding that you need the old The law, you need the prophets who brought the message and you need the Savior who goes to redeem you from your sinful condition and your sinful state of life. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Word of God tells us and says to us, to keep our heart and our mind on Christ and to do the things that bring glory and praise to his name. Christ came, first of all, to do the will of the Father. That's why he came. What was the will of the Father? Go down there and redeem them from their sinful state. Then he said... He came to fulfill the law of the prophets. Not only did he come to fulfill the law of the prophets, he came also to show the glory of the Father through his own presence in the earth. He said, these are the things that you must recognize. How did he show his glory? Through his death, burial, and resurrection. And through both of those particular passages that he showed his shakana glory. When he revealed who he was, To those disciples and Peter talks about it in that second chapter but it happened twice in the New Testament then he says death is not the end there's so many people walking around talking about death is it when we die it's gonna be all over no this is just practice what we doing. whenever we leave this earth the, the, the the body will go back to the earth until Christ comes because he said everybody ain't gonna die He said, some of y'all are going to be alive and well. That's what he was talking about. Some of y'all are going to be alive. He said, he's going to come riding on a white horse from the heavens. And when he come down here, he said, those that are asleep will rise first. And then he said, and the rest of us that remain will be caught up together, the medium in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever in the heavens. Christ is going to come in what? He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth right here because he said this old stuff that most people right now trying to win and trying to get and trying to be glorified with is not going to even last. It's going to pass away. The Bible says the old is going to be put away with. That's why whenever you transform, you can't live the same way. You can't say I'm a child of God and live the same way and do the same things. So you can't do that. Because. The spirit within you will eat you alive, reminding you that you are a child of God. Don't do that. Yes. You're a child of God. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do those things that the world does. He says what? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, he said the love of the father is not in him. Yes. That's what Christ came to tell the church. That's what he wants the world to know. Love Christ. Love your brother in Christ. When God wrote that, he wrote it to the church. He said, go tell the world. But this message, this message, this message is for the church. It's for the believers. That's why the the world can't comprehend the Bible, because they have to be transformed first. They have to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, repent of their sins, receive him, and then God opens their eyes so that they can see clearly. And it takes a little bit. The more you study, the more you meditate, the more you read, the more you pray, guess what? The more God gives you. And the more you grow, the stronger you become. The stronger you become. Some of y'all read the Bible and say, I just can't get that. And you just keep reading it and then all of a sudden, ding, the light comes on. You say, I know what that scripture means now. That happens to me too. i read scriptures and teach messages and I'm going, I can't figure it out, Lord. You have to help. And when I get up here on Sunday sometimes, the Holy Spirit ties it all together for me. And then I feed it out to the congregation. Sometimes I don't get the message until I stand right up there, even though I have notes. The message comes while I'm standing up here some Sundays. And then sometimes God can take it and change it completely. I'm looking at the notes, and by the time I get through the notes, I've already preached something totally different. Say, well, that's what God wanted you to have. Because I say, Holy Spirit, teach for me. Teach to us. Teach for us. I'm not the teacher. I'm just the vessel that he used to carry the message. See, we have to yield ourselves to God. That's why you see sometimes you be fumbling and stumbling. No, it's because you're trying to do it your way. God said, let me do this. You just stand there and let me use your mouth as a mouthpiece. Yes. Let me use you as a vessel. You know, you can't be so big that God, can't you? You get so big to God. You can always be too big. Now remember, the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee goes up to the mountain and goes into the temple to pray. He gets up there and tells God all the stuff he done done. And God just looks at him. So what? The publican, on the other hand, he goes into the temple, he bows his head, he smokes upon his chest, and he says, Lord, I thank you that, that that I am a sinner. And I know that I need a savior. And I know that I need you in my heart. Forgive me. He confessed his sins and repented. And God blessed him. Send him down exalted. Send him out exalted. And he abased the one that thought he was everything. Sometimes he gets get the big headed. God says, don't get the big head because it's going to get you in trouble with me. And you don't want to be in trouble with God. Let's wrap this up. Christ will come again. He died on the cross. He rose and he's coming again. And the question is, will we be ready when he comes? Can we truly say I have a sincere relationship with God? Have we repented from our sins? And then he says, just. Allow yourself to be transformed by the message of salvation, by the word of God, and allow the power and the presence of God to continue to manifest itself in your life through your relationship by walking and living a righteous life. That's what he's saying to the church. That's what he said. He was transfigured before us so that we, too, will come to this place, will come to that point in our lives that we give Christ our all in all, and he be Lord and save all our lives. May God bless you today. May heaven smile upon you. Let us all stand for a word of praise. What up, lifted hands. Father, we come this morning to bless and praise you, to worship you, to thank you for this message, Lord God. We thank you that you were transfigured for each and every one of us. As you died on the cross, you were buried, you rose the third day, and your glory remains now, even beside the Father in eternity, in heaven. We pray now, Lord God, that this message will accomplish the purpose for which thou hast sent it. Touch every heart and mind under the sound of our voice. Minister to their hearts, minister to the souls of your people. Bless them, keep them, and protect their lives. Lord, we pray now for every sinner that may be in the house, that may not confess you as Lord and Savior of their lives. We pray that they yield and ask Christ to come in and save them from their sinful condition. We bless you, we praise you, we glorify and magnify your holy. In righteous name, yes. These blessings over your people, in Christ Yeshua's mighty name. Let all of God's people say, "Amen." Amen. God bless you this morning.